thank you all for joining. I appreciate it. Um, see some people we haven't had in a couple, so uh, really appreciate you guys joining. So, uh, like for the last couple, I don't know, a couple months, really, uh, the news coming out of you know the FAA on remote ID and and stuff like that has been very sparse and um dave's been doing a lot of great work with the dac which i'm sure he'll cover in a little bit um but uh all in all you know with a lull in in what's happening from a regulatory uh we've been sharing a lot of uh news happenings in regards to drones and uas so um obviously as we were just discussing uh we had a major league baseball game delayed by an unauthorized drone hovering over the field. Uh, and apparently this caused quite a stir. Um, obviously the stadiums are empty due to COVID right now. Um, I was actually flipping through the channels last night and watching, a came across a hockey game and it was bizarre watching, you know, a sporting event with nobody in the stadium. But, you know, somebody was obviously interested in what was happening at the field because they decided to fly, it looks like a Mavic, um, over the field. And uh, it caused a, a delay. Uh, so apparently the pitchers tried to take out the drone uh, by throwing baseballs at it. That didn't quite work. Um, and then after a while, the, the drone left and, and they continued playing. Uh, I think I heard someone describe it as the first ever drone delay for a major league baseball game. They've rain delays and other things, but now we right. have drone delays. So yeah, the, and the pirates actually tweeted uh, in the article. There's a tweet. Um, we are in a dot 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 drone delay. We don't know. <laughs> Amer American League Baseball is weird. <laughs> <laughs> So go them for actually taking it in stride. Um, but uh, yeah, all in all, um, uh, pretty interesting uh, experience that happened there. Um, Alex, I would probably agree. Uh, any kind of uh, uh, interference with an aircraft uh, would be tantamount to same as shooting a drone out of the sky. Uh, however, you know, as FAA rules, um, it's uh due to fa rules you know baseball ba uh, football sporting big sporting events are all restricted airspace from an hour before to an hour after the game um but the uh you know the the actual you know risk to anybody was probably very minimal uh considering the the stadium was empty it is so. yeah interesting that they still do the tfrs even though it's an empty well a mostly empty stadium, way, right. way less numbers of people than would normally be there. Yeah, for sure. And like TextJet um, said, it's about shooting down an airplane. We had uh, somebody shoot down a drone in Minnesota as well uh, just a couple months ago, and I think they're still getting in trouble for that. As they should. I think that uh, interference with any type of aircraft should be a big deal. And, you know, we've seen case after case over the last couple of years of, of people actually getting away with doing that. And that's a bad deal. So, you know, was it the right thing to do to fly over, you know, the ballpark? Probably not, you know, trying to take it out. Probably not a right thing either. So um, two wrongs don't necessarily make a right, but at any rate, you know, drone delay, it happened. 
uh, mark that down in your 2020 uh, fantastic events and, uh, you know, go from there. Um, I thought this was really cool. So this is a UAS um, developed by Swift Engineering and partnered with NASA that um, can potentially fly for up to 30 days um, in one shot. Uh, so it weighs... Um, I think they said 100 pounds, if I can get in here. It's a 72-foot uh, solar-powered, uh, weighs 180 pounds, and can fly a 10 to 15-pound payload uh, and operate at an altitude of 70,000 feet, which is... What? Yeah. 70,000? 70,000 feet for 30 days or more. Air's uh, a little thin there. Yep. Wow. Well, yeah, so it's pretty incredible. Um, it uh, let's see, uh, current let's see, current NASA science aircraft can meet most, but not all, observing system requirement. It can provide unique data to complement and improve NASA measurement NASA measurements from orbit. Uh, developing the hail with Swift was has opened up more possibilities than we initially imagined. Um, and they just successfully test flew it for, I think, two hours. It was a two-hour flight. Uh, let's see. They had to develop, uh, they had to research and develop uh, solar panel and battery technologies uh, that can provide enough power to stay aloft at night until it can recharge its batteries the next day. And the cells also need to retain high power capacity after several recharging cycles. Um, and it needs to withstand uh, harsh temperatures, radiations, and other conditions of the upper atmosphere. I suppose if you're um, up that high, you don't have to worry about cloudy days. <laughs> you're up above them all. Correct. Way it's above It's always the sunny. Right. Um, let's see. They are expecting to be able to use it to um, uh, work with uh, satellites, um, whereas sat most satellites or, uh, you know, I'm not going to say most, a lot of satellites are geosynchronous, geo, God, synchronously locked, yeah. Um, the, uh, this aircraft, the the hail can, uh, you know, provide better coverage over a region. Uh, they can put it for, could do things like air quality monitoring, coastal zone imaging, mapping for landslides, uh, real-time forest and agricultural monitoring or also uh, for disaster relief efforts. Um, yeah, it kind of does sound like a spy plane too. Um, so the uh, payload is just enough, I would imagine, 10 to 15 pounds for a, a very nice camera system. In fact, they do mention that they took NASA's fluid cam uh, and put it on there. Uh, it's a high frame rate video camera coupled with artificial intelligence processing capable of providing unprecedented ob observations. Um, so a uh, pretty interesting little guy with pretty much an unlimited range, assuming you can control it. So all that with a 10 pound payload, yes. <laughs> Very tiny payload. Um, so in case that wasn't weird enough, check this out. This uh, kind of brings back old memories of a, of a somewhat crappy uh, 
film. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the film Stealth. Uh, well, uh, where they had an AI kind of drone super plane kind of thing that went uh, AWOL and just started going all over the place and destroying things. Uh, four defense com companies have been selected to begin work on the U.S. Air Force's Skyborg program. So poor choice of name, <laughs> I would say. Uh, but Boeing, uh, General Atomics, uh, Kratos, and Northrop Grumman have all Grumman. been selected. Grumman have all been selected to move forward on the program, um, and they are going to be creating a uh, autonomous uh, airplane intended for uh, reusable unmanned aerial vehicles. Um, and teaming up with manned uh, missions. So basically you would have, it would basically fill in a, a, a squadron. So you'd have, you know, three planes up that were uh, manned, and then you'd have one of these Skyborgs uh, join, your, join your team. Um, they are designed to be cheap so that the significance of losing one is not uh, great. Um, and, uh, they also are basically calling it the R2-D2. Uh, yeah, it seems strange to call it R2-D2 when they've got the name Borg from Star Trek in the name and not Star Wars, but, you know, whatever. Hey, you know. <laughs> they can mix their uh, sci-fi. Yeah, not everybody's got their uh, sci-fi. It's like thing, a combination so. of Skynet and Cyborg into the Skyborg. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a terrifying combination, right? right. I'll be back. <laughs> right. Um, They're using all the names. Yes. <laughs> well said. Well crazy. said. So, uh, you know, God forbid uh, AI decides we're not worthy, um, but we'll have a bunch of planes equipped with AI and uh, out there with, uh, you know, stuff on them. <laughs> so hey that's super cool um this was interesting this comes out of israel um uh, as i've said before israel has some interesting thing innovations happening with drones this is one of them uh they're calling it the spider-man urban assault drone so to me it looks like a normal fpv quad in fact i believe the uh battery strap on it actually says bang good so, hey, there's that. Uh, plug to being good right there. So this comes out of the Israeli Defense Force uh, Ghost Unit. And uh, they just completed its first major exercise, a uh, video exercise, a video of the exercise, and there's a link in the article, gives a glimpse of the unusual new drone, a quadcopter, which flips over, sticks to a vertical wall, and hangs there before flying oh. off and leaving an object still attached. So a little side a little side note about the Israeli Defense Force. Um, in when you're in high school, of course, Israel has uh, conscription, and so when you are in high school, you test, and uh, if you test really well, you're offered uh, higher positions in the IDF, uh, schooling uh, to the tune of uh, completing a bachelor's, uh, our equivalent in college. By the time you're done with high school. Consequently, many of the IDF uh, people in their uh, computer science uh, parts of the Israeli Defense Force 
are brilliant computer scientists and um, they contribute uh, when they get out of the service uh, in industry and they are renowned. So it's, uh, this is good stuff. They yeah. are a smart bunch. They are. Uh, so the role of the Spider-Man drone is not explained or described um, in the same video sequence uh, sequence troops use a DJI Maverick, a low cost consumer drone to scout ahead in urban uh, alleyways. Uh, the IDF have been using Mavic since uh, 2017 as an alternative to the more expensive military grade drones. Um, so they go on to discuss, you know, obviously how it could be used to potentially uh, place a breaching charge. Uh, looks like to me he's using a, a Tyrannus uh, in one of the pictures there to control the drone. Huh. Um, and uh, the other in the video, I actually watched the video. It doesn't show it placing any. It it shows it adhering to the wall and then kind of flipping down like ninety degrees. Um, so kind of more like a perch where you can use the camera on the drone to kind of keep tabs on a space. Uh, which absolutely absolutely makes sense. And then they go on to talk about uh, um, in 2008, DARPA explored the technology, the similar technology for a stealthy, persistent perch and stare. Um, so where they could fly um, a drone into an area, kind of perch it anywhere and allow it to be kind of like a portable uh, CCTV. Um, you'd only have the initial noise of the of the landing essentially or moving into the area and the landing um and then after that obviously it could go motors you know motors off and and do its thing but uh um so yeah uh they don't talk a whole lot about um they do mention uh you know obviously that it could be a block of c4 uh for like a breaching charge or something like that um, and then they go to discuss, uh, you know, some of the other possible um, uh, or some of the other developments from other companies around the world. So uh, they call the stalker uh, is able to drop a microphone, which sticks to a roof and listens in for listening through walls. Um, and then they talk about life detection radar uh, using ultra wideband radio waves, which can go as go through walls as easily as air. And then the other one, which I thought was pretty crazy in 2013, uh, Israeli company, um, can use, uh, let's see. Uh, they have a thing that allows, which can land on a building and scan for life. Um, so it doesn't say how it works. They're going to call not, it a tricorder. I uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> going with this, right. <laughs> And then the all, the other creepy thing is there's also been considerable interest in using Wi-Fi signals to see through people's walls. Uh, this just requires a passive antenna to pick up signals which are distorted by people moving nearby. Oh like, boy! <laughs> right? It's like now there's another purpose for that router in your house, <laughs> and you never knew until now. Easier to implement than RID. I love it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy all right so enough about that um so ge's air xos i'm gonna assume that's how you pronounce that because uh, i can't fathom another way of doing so 
Um, they have launches a public safety UAS platform. So apparently they've been, this is kind of in relation to remote ID somewhat and uh, unmanned traffic management. So apparently they've been piloting this with uh, about 200 public safety agencies and public safety agencies would be like your police, your fire, um, et cetera. Um, so and they're one of the, they're one of the corporate sponsors of uh, remote uh, responders. Yep. Uh, drone responders, you mean? Yes. Thank you. Drone responders. Yep. And uh, basically, this is an app that, similar to something like Kitty Hawk or, um, or uh, AirMap. Uh, like Kitty Hawk on steroids. This is the UTM side, yeah. whereas, yeah, Kitty, and that's Kitty Hawk uh, uh, in its full, the full blown, not what we know as the approval system, but the, the unmanned traffic management uh, component yeah. of it. So. Yeah, this would allow people uh, allow public uh, safety agencies to monitor um, their uh, UAS in real time, uh, do remote ID, uh, do automatic lance authorizations, um, all that kind of stuff without even having a, a public safety officer really have to do a whole lot. They basically just say, "Hey, I'm going to deploy a drone here for you know this reason," and it does all the you know, it's automated. It does all the approvals and whatnot. Um, arrows. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 agree. This is a, this absolutely is a very significant uh, entity in the in the UAS uh, industry. Yeah. Um, G is putting a significant amount of money behind this uh, this organization. All right. So that I thought that was pretty interesting that we're seeing some of the you know possible flip sides of remote ID and the, the apps that are kind of uh, falling in line for that. So we'll it's also that. one of the one of the areas of potential significant monetization in drones is if you can become one of the UTM companies, which is mm -hmm. Verizon, uh, GE, AT&T is interested. So this is uh, yeah, Google is interested. So, yep. All right. So. Um... The drone that made the first home delivery in the United States, which was uh, the uh, Google, is it Google Wing? Google Wing, uh, yeah. The uh, Wing is now headed to the Air and Space Museum in D.C. Um, oh, let me, did I not post it? Let's see. Yeah, because I'm sure no uh, recreational pilot ever delivered anything with a drone before that. Right. <laughs> That's correct. So uh, the delivery first happened on October 19th, 2019. So not that far back, even though it seems like five years from now or five years uh, ago. Um, the uh, delivery was to a, let's see, 81-year-old retiree, Susie Seinsmeyer. And it was a little best and uh she was the recipient of that first delivery so obviously since then uh drone delivery has kind of in a in a small scale kind of helped out during uh uh covid and then you've got companies like zipline that uh they are 
literally delivering medical supplies, vaccines, and and whatnot across uh, different regions of uh, Africa. Um, you know, we've talked before how you know drone delivery in some form or another, you know, would would be beneficial maybe in rural areas, but maybe not so much in city uh, city areas. But this is pretty interesting that uh, you know. That's going to be our representative to the Air and Space Museum, folks. There you go. Um, Alex, do you know Alex? Do you know where in the United States zip line is working? I'm not sure exactly where in the United States. Uh, North Carolina, I think it says in here. That would make sense. Started doing some stuff in the U.S. between hospitals. Yep. Let's see. Let me see if I can find I'm it. Thinking, uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the UPS waiver. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay. Yep. More recently, North Carolina. Um, drone delivery systems making test flights elsewhere in the world, such as Zipline, which is ferrying medical supplies in Rwanda, Ghana, and more recently, North Carolina require more extensive on-the-ground infrastructure. Uh, they need a 20-foot-plus launcher to catapult their fixed-wing flyer skyward and field goal-style uprights to catch them. Hmm. Because uh, they are fixed wing. All right. Thanks. This uh, this uh, came across my news feed a couple days ago. It might have been on Twitter, uh, but a Freedom of Information Act um, request has un uncovered uh, a group of small drones that flew around a restricted area at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant. So this power plant is actually about 15 miles, maybe 20 miles from my house. It's the U.S.'s uh, largest uh, power plant. Um, and they say they had uh, three or four, or no, five or six drones circling uh, the three-unit site inside and outside the protected areas. And this was back in... 2017. I saw a date oh. in here. Yeah, I think it was 18 or 19. I think it's 19. So this was on the news, and it was all the joking about the uh, the swarm, and the government said, yeah. "No, we don't know anything about it." No one did they uh, identify ownership or who the uh, operators were. No, and they did state that they were not. They didn't appear to be. Uh, like a phantom or anything like that. Well, but didn't they also were... say they talked? They flew for an hour or two at a time and right. had really yeah, bright lights. Yeah, yeah, I like I like text text comments. They failed the uh, surreptitious. <laughs> they were blinking lights failed right. the failed the sneaky aspect of it. Well, right. well done. So they did state that they didn't seem like they were phantoms. That they estimated they were over two feet in diameter. Um. Flight endurance of about half an hour. Let's, oh, no, sorry. Uh, that they flew for about 80 minutes um, and that there was nothing they could do. And, and now somebody has... And this article, this article from Forbes is just like so conspiracy theory, but, you know, they're like at the very bottom. This suggests that the intruders, as well as establishing Palo Verde lacks effective drone defenses, may now have highly detailed maps of the facility showing the exact location of every valve, pipe, switch, and control. Perhaps they simply <laughs> aim to sell these on the dark web to anyone who, who will pay. Or perhaps they have something else in mind. 
It's just like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man! So, gosh, and it wasn't a slow news week. I wonder what's going on at Forbes. Right. Why would a news article have to speculate about so much stuff? Why not just say what actually happened? Well, yeah. have you met our media? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real here. All right, um, this is a very long article. Going to kind of gloss over key parts of it but this comes from suas news uh this also comes from it was authored by jonathan ruprecht which many may know as a a lawyer with a um emphasis on uas um so this goes into drone sightings and uh um how FAA has potentially been analyzing them, how they probably should be analyzing them, and kind of goes over the fact that reported drone sightings over time are decreasing. Um, Says the FAA has inaccurately reported on the drone sightings data, and this is proven by their own data. Um, There are more drone sightings reported in populated areas than unpopulated areas, which absolutely makes sense because most airports or key areas where people where manned aircraft would be flying are going to be centralized in populated areas. Um, there are more drone sightings reported in warmer months than colder months. Um, obviously states with larger populations have more reported, reported drone sightings. Um, he also states there are more medium or large animal impacts with manned aircraft than all the reported drone sightings. Um, so sightings he goes into what sightings mean a pilot person on the ground law enforcement sees a drone and reports it to the faa gets logged the drone could be lawfully flying safely flying or carelessly flying or flying with criminal intent it's all lumped into one thing a sighting um the accuracy of the reports cannot be verified you could report you saw a drone all you want nobody can check it's literally a giant hearsay list which as you know, when you go through and you're reading the sightings listings on some of this stuff, it absolutely seems like, you know, it's like there are very few of the entries in those lists that have been verified uh, where, you know, somebody called in, they sent law enforcement to go check, you know, they found the person, you know, flying a drone. It, you know, it's very infrequent in those reports. Um, so he goes on to kind of, uh break down how uh using the FAA's drone sightings data to inform regulations is is kind of probably not the best way to go about it. Uh they do cite how the Academy of Model Aeronautics um have talked about the drone sightings uh data um from the AMA's uh five not drone sightings, sorry. Well, I guess they're calling it drone sightings. Um, in AMA's previous analysis, uh, analysis, the AMA found that 3.5% in August and 3.3% in March uh, 2015 and 2016, respectively, of sightings included the explicit notation of NMAC, which means near mid-air collision or near miss. Um, our analysis of the newest uh, 12,000 or 1,270 records released on February 2017 show about the same percentage of near misses. 
Um, just 3.4% of sightings uh, contain the specific notation of a near miss. Um, but the FAA continued to press forward with just stating raw sightings number. Um, so they're, they're using that to really break down or really implement regulations that are based on faulty data. Um, so uh, he kind of breaks down, provides some graphs. Um, he's got sightings by state, um, and these sightings by state uh, go over a six-year period, which is pretty impressive. So states like California obviously have high. Uh, California is the highest for that six-year period at uh, 1,777. Uh, states like mine fall number one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list at 353, and it decreases rapidly from there. I mean, California far and away. Florida is number two. New York's number three. Texas is number four. And everybody else just kind of pales in comparison, really. Um, let's see. Uh, drone sightings versus large or medium-sized uh, animal impacts. Um, so as an example, what's the date on this? Oh, this is 2014. So you had 506 uh, drone sightings in December of 2014 and 1,045 uh, large or medium animal impacts. Poor animals. Um, let's see. New York City has the highest uh, in terms of drone sightings for the city, New York City itself. Los Angeles is second, and it kind of just varies from, from there on out. Um, so it's just interesting how uh, he, he breaks down the data, and it, it's something that uh, is a, it's a good read. Um, so here's frequently asked questions. There's a spot right at the end. Um, how many of these drone sightings are of bad illegal drones? And obviously the FAA or anybody cannot tell if the drones are bad, uh, but they can tell. But we can tell if they are a safety risk. Um, so if they come with the term uh, NMAC or near mid mid air collision, obviously that that particular UAS probably posed a, a little bit of a safety risk. Um, are drone sightings going up? No, they're going down. They're decreasing. Um, so, uh, how many of these drone sightings of drones appear to pose safety risks actually turn out to be near, uh, turn out to be mid or collision? Obviously very few. Um, of the small percentage of drones posing safety risks, only a small portion of them actually end up hitting an aircraft, which results in damage to the manned aircraft, ranging from minor scratches and dents to requiring a replacement or repair of an expensive portion of the aircraft. Um, let's see, there was another... Okay, here we go. Um, and the FAA has obviously not cleaned all the data for, from all lawful flights, um, because when you report it, it could be... You know, a lawful flight could be a, a unlawful flight. Um, even so, uh, the FAA's federal oh, the FAA's federal register indicated that the FAA has processed fourteen thousand three hundred and thirty four um, flights near uh, airports and have over six thousand authorizations in the processing queue. Um, to date, there have been more than one thousand. Uh, 
170,000 approved authorizations through Lance, and this was on December 2nd of 2019. Um, so, and then at the FAA 2019 FAA Symposium, uh, a PowerPoint slide said that there have been over 37,000 manual authorizations granted and 87,000 automated authorizations granted. And that's just for flights near airports. So, and that's just offer, for the pilots who remembered to use Lance before they flew. Right. But if you think about it, you know, those are lawful flights. The FAA has, you know, deemed those as appropriate to fly near an airport. And how many of those reported sightings were a lawful flight that the FAA uh, authorized but didn't clean that out of the, the, um, sighting logs you know what i'm saying so how much of their data is really just false data or or fabricated data so really interesting uh article um by uh by uh jonathan ruprecht uh worth a read if you care to go through it in detail it's about a 10 minute read um i probably spent at least that long describing parts of it but uh uh good article for sure and on that, that kind of wraps up my news for the day. I think that was a lot of good articles. A lot of good news. Interesting news. Any questions, comments? <laughs> Dave, what you got? Um, we're making uh, progress on the uh, uh, safety culture uh, tasking group. Um, Alex, was, Alex here was working on the recreational uh, team. We've uh, submitted our our drafts, I'm leading the small and commercial aspect. We had a, uh, uh, about a several hour discussion today. So we're working toward the October um, deck and that we'll be presenting uh, the results with uh, recommendations. And I'm, uh, um, I got, I think, good recommendations coming out of the, rec the recreational and the uh, small and commercial. Um, the enterprise group is, uh, is a little late uh, turning in their submissions, so I haven't seen what they've got. And the uh, legacy carrier, the idea being of this this safety culture tasking group is, uh, what aspects of manned aviation can we carry over and use uh, to help uh, jumpstart the uh, safety culture for UAS? And so the um, the carrier legacy group subgroup has uh, has. Uh, identified a number of existing uh, aircraft and airline uh, documentation, logging, data gathering, uh, which will be useful for fleets of UAS. And uh, we've been pretty clear that uh, uh, we feel that probably not uh, uh, required for recreational and not really uh, appropriate for a small commercial, but we'll see how how we make out uh, as we as we go forward. So still, still uh, discussing the final uh, document, but um, it's it's going well, and uh, all of the groups are uh, uh, being open-minded on receiving our minority opinions. Awesome. Very cool. So let's see. Do we? DAC applications are due on the 18th, due right? 18th, August, yep. And then when do they make final determination? I, they don't say. 
Okay. Um, but it is uh, at 6 a.m. ET. Um, but it, I have a hunch that they it, it'll you know they'll announce it at the at the DAC. So I would imagine right. that they're trying to shoot for the October DAC. If not, it'll be the uh, the next one a, a quarter later. Gotcha. Cool. So that's something to look forward to. I know we've got uh, uh, Dave and I think Zoe is applying, and apparently Alex is applying too. Oh. Yes, he is. Good job. I'm going to apply. Hey, absolutely. Uh, I think there's, what, five spots open, Dave? Yeah, I've, I've seen five, then three, then they said several. So uh, uh, <laughs> Precise as always. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Pardon, what was that? I said if we... That, Alex? Uh, Dave, uh, Zoe, and me, and then... I think Vic Moss is also applying. Yep. So yeah, yeah good point. Yep. yep. Yeah, the so more recreational representation we can get on that committee, the better. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, Vic wouldn't necessarily be a recreational person. He's more the independent, uh, independent commercial operators. Uh, however, he is very obviously favorable towards recreational. So um that would be fantastic as well um so yeah. a lot of good choices there um, go ahead alex i was gonna say i'm i'm gonna apply as part of an educational thing since uh the one company i work for we're, we do a teaching so i'm gonna apply it through that route right my main thing is recreational <laughs> yeah yeah for sure absolutely um all right, so Dan, you got anything, bud? Uh, no, I don't think I've got anything new. Uh, the All FAA right. has not come out with any new regulations or anything lately, so right, <laughs> we're still waiting for December. Last I heard, yeah. yeah, we're waiting for that for remote ID. They 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 said that they would potentially roll something out uh, or roll it out uh, by December. And then implement it uh, in 2021. And still no uh, news on the recreational test that we were right. advising on way back in January. Uh, Has there yeah. been any communication on that whatsoever? Yeah, not not to us and not to the cohort. And that was January 14th of uh, this year. Yeah, and they pretty much told us that once we gave them their, our ad opinion and advice that we weren't going to hear anything until they, you know, release whatever they're going to do. So Yeah. It's like, yep, wow. thanks for your advice, and we'll take it into consideration, and you'll hear when we've got our final decision made. <sighs> Yet yeah, I've got this video of uh, of uh, um, Jay Merkel saying he's working with the recreational community. I just, I don't get it. But, hey, you know. Different um, definition of working with. Right? <laughs> it must be, he must be working off a different dictionary. I'm sorry. Uh, I need to buy that dictionary. Um, the person flying over the ball field needs to take that test. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, Thirty-five he, questions. He probably made baseball more exciting. I, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a baseball. <laughs> fan, so anything besides baseball is probably more exciting. I think, yeah, uh, I did see comments related to that. The most exciting thing to happen to baseball in so many years, or something. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, well, then I guess we will wrap up early this evening. I appreciate you all joining. Does anybody else have any questions? 
yeah. Don't okay. have a answer. Just gonna say that the sim- the second part of the symposium. If anyone wants to pay for that, uh, that's uh, eighteen nineteen. I'll be attending August eighteenth um, and nineteenth, right? So, this month, right? Of August. Yep. So. And it, it's our, it's our available virtually. Yes. And this virtually. is the it is the FAA dash AUVSI symposium. And uh, last time uh, I was able to. Jay Merkel is actually he ended up going into some of the uh, virtual conversations, so there's a decent chance of being able to talk sort of one on one with him. Well, that's pretty good. So if you got any uh, questions, send them over to Alex so he can get them answered. Right. Well, I'll attempt to get them answered. No promises on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure the answers won't be what you're expect or hoping for anyway. They'll just try weave around the question. I'd assume. But, yeah, very political answers. So, yeah, if you guys do have questions, I'll try to get some one-on-one with Jay, and I can ask him those. So, episode, or let's see, episode two is what they're calling it. Uh, the industry pass would be uh, $250. If you're government, military, public safety, or a student, you can get in. For $175, or if you just want to attend one of the days, uh, it's $150. Um, how do you know if you only want to attend one of the days? Well, they do have a uh, program, which I will, and it will uh, it tells you what they're going to be discussing on each of the days. So let me uh, drop that link in here too. And uh, yeah, so. Um, if you can afford lots to attend. Of, yeah, okay. lots of large uh, uh, events also being canceled around the country. So, uh, so some being held and many being canceled. Yep. Large uh, you know, national uh, events. For sure. So there's that too. So that's coming up uh, uh, in two weeks, looks like. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Any other questions, comments, concerns, ideas? Hey, I was in the right chat tonight, so that's an automatic one. <laughs> I did okay. double check that on your first link. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I said I'd never do it again. I'm I'm fulfilling yeah. that promise. So all, all right. right. Well, then y'all have a great night. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. And uh thanks for the comments. Uh it's always great talking to you guys. Uh and have a good night. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>